You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Next, featuring intimate and in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood's next edition of Stars and Influencers. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, next. Welcome to another episode of Black Hollywood Live Next, where you can't feel your face because it's so amazing and your smile is so high. Right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Megan Thomas at Stoop on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I'm Courtney Tesno. Keep in touch with me at Tesno's on Twitter and Instagram. And use that hashtag BHL next to keep in touch with us throughout the show. Yes. We want to hear your comments. We want to know what you think. So make sure you hit that up. And today, of course, we have an amazing guest, as we always do. You've seen her on CBS's NCIS New Orleans every Tuesday, 9, 8 Central. Give it up for Shalita Grant. Hello, love. You're stunning. (laughs) We need to wish you a happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. Okay. Happy birthday. Which version do you want? Um, give me the soulful one. Happy birthday birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) Happy birthday. Happy birthday, birthday, Shalita. What do you want for your birthday? This. Mm -hmm. Oh, and so I got it. I'm so glad to be here, y'all. Thank so, you for having me. We're so me. glad to have you. <laughs> What's the best birthday you ever had? Um. Okay, so this one, for so in general, I like to have experiences for uh-huh. my birthday. So, like, last year, I jumped out of a plane at 18,000 feet. What? No. Yes. So, this year, I gave myself the gift of sight. So I had LASIK on ah, I yes, I as a birthday it. gift to myself. I love so it. So I can see. <laughs> so this is amazing. <laughs> oh, we feel you. That's so awesome. <laughs> and then, okay, when you were little, what is the one thing that you wanted for your birthday that you never got? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I don't think there you was kind of one thing. thing. Yeah, <laughs> right? I think it was so painful that I just made myself forget. Right, I was like, right. this hurt too bad. Let me put this memory away. <laughs> Store it up. <laughs> right. So let's get into a little bit of news. Let's yes. talk about um, some stuff that's going on, and then we'll get all in your business, okay. Shalita. Okay. Uh, you guys know that Straight Outta Compton came out uh, a couple weeks ago. It w- did amazingly well. Over $100 million mm-hmm. at the box office so far. So proud. So proud of them. Uh, the main star who played Easy e is named Jason Mitchell, be prepared to see him a lot more on the big screen because he just inked a deal with uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele for their new feature film called Keanu. He Mm -hmm. also is going to be starring um, opposite Zoe Kravitz in an indie drama, Vincent and Roxy. And one more thing, he also um, is going to be in the new King Kong Skull Island movie as the, I think, the airplane driver what? the pilot this is some that overflow. is so great right i'm like yo yes he put more bl- of us on the big screen right. yes yeah blowing up blowing up did you see uh straight out of compton did it was incredible right mm-hmm. it was incredible worth the yeah. two hours to- totally mm-hmm. worth it so worth it i'm so proud of them mm-hmm. yeah it's it's great I love it. Okay, let's get into some music. Let's get into some fresh beats. So, The Weeknd has a new song called Tell Your Friends, and I'm liking it. So, let's listen to it. Yeah. That money is the only thing I'm chasing. And some dope 
sell some coke lines. Give me head all night, go for it. Wait, what? So so here's my thing. Um the give give me head all night. I think that's what he said. And the thing is, for me, that I just got really confused when the chorus came in. It's like, Girl, they don't me. call it a job for nothing. You know, like, I'm not blowing you all night. And then why would I tell my friends, tell my friends that my jaw hurts? Like, I, I'm not, that's not something that I'm bragging about, you know? It. So, I don't I know. Don't you, don't you love how the weekend will say some of the rocky stuff, stuff, but he sings like, it so nice. You're yeah, like, wait, what? You're like, I'm going to let that slide. Right. Because you Just sound because, smooth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But brother, come on right. now. Change right. the lyric. <laughs> you gave me head. You know what I'm saying? Then I'd be like, oh my God, girl, I can't believe it. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. That's something to tell your friends. <laughs> Not that I have, you know, stiff jaw and I stiff neck from last night. Oh my gosh. Shalita, do you, are you a comedian? No. You should be. You should, no. be. You should absolutely <laughs> You and Megan need to go ahead and do stand up. Let's go. Let's go. You know what I'm doing. Shalita, let's talk about you. Yes. Yes. Okay, so you grew up in Virginia. I grew up in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it was like, because I don't think that's a place where they have a lot of arts, like a New York or a L.A., so tell us what that was like. No, so Trey Songs is actually from Petersburg, Virginia as okay. well. So I was I was raised in Baltimore. I was born in Baltimore. I was raised in Virginia. And um, how I got involved was in, in the arts was... Um, when I was in eighth grade, a governor's school came and were like, hey, we've got this art school. You know, you want to go? And I was like, well, I know everybody at Petersburg High School. So, yeah, I want to go to the, the the charter school. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I can't read music. I'm not like a trained dancer, but maybe I can act. So uh, <laughs> my, my mom, the only place she knew was Raisin in the Sun. And that's not a bad play to only know. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was like, I got an idea. How about instead of a monologue, you do like a whole scene wow. and you play like everybody in the scene. That's what I said, like everybody. <laughs> so I did the scene with Mama and Benita when Benita tells Mama that she doesn't believe in God, right. and Mama slaps her and is like, so "My house, yeah, I slap myself and I got in. I slap myself and I got into the school. Oh my so I got there and I was like, oh, this is cute, you know, but." um after a while of being there, I didn't feel uh, challenged. So, mm-hmm. you know, you start cutting up. You start, you know, doing a thing, being a teenager. And so I ended up moving to Baltimore with my dad's yes. family. Um, I moved there when I was 15. And when I got there, I was like, I was upset in Virginia. I wasn't, like, about that life. Right. Um, they not messing around. Like, they are serious about their criminal activity. Right. And when I got there, like, stop snitching was, like, a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. the shirts and the, the tape had come out and the hoodies and everything. And I'm like, I will snitch. Right. If I see something, I'm telling. <laughs> and so you mean to tell me that y'all are wearing t-shirts. Like, if you snitch, right. you gonna get a stitch. Right. So no. I'm like, you know what? Let me find the art school. So, uh, and you went to Baltimore School so of Arts. I ended up getting into Baltimore School of the Arts. Donald Hicken, I was way too old for the program. I didn't show up during an audition week, but it was like, hey, I've got extenuating circumstances. Do you think that I can get an audition? And so I auditioned, and right there on the spot, he was like, you belong here. So wow. I got there, and um, I was introduced to Juilliard. 
mm-hmm. there because I coming from Virginia, you know, right, we right. didn't have that. And mm-hmm. I don't have anybody in my family who's in the entertainment business, you right. know, so I don't have that, you know, that door open for me. And I, I didn't know what that world was. Mm-hmm. So uh, after a class, uh, an acting teacher, Richard Pilcher, was like, hey, girl, um, are you thinking about going to college? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And he was like, well, you know, do you want to go into arts and I was like maybe and he was like maybe you should audition at Juilliard and I was like what's that Um, (laughs) he was like it's a good school audition (laughs) right so it was my first college audition and I got in I got a full scholarship wow and amazing I didn't know what happened until maybe a couple weeks after I got there because I didn't know anything about the school but Mm -hmm. I only went because they gave me all the money so I was like I'm gonna go to that school well that's a good school it actually does. Uh, Juilliard, a lot of people, right. Juilliard is like big about we don't want you to not be able to come here That's because amazing. of money. So they have a, a wealth of donors and 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 benefactors who want to help young artists um, reach awesome. their goals. So I got there, and then it was like I'm at Juilliard. Like this is crazy. <laughs> I had no idea. Who is that? Oh my god. Who is that? Oh my god. All these yeah. people went here. That's crazy. Right. So what was the most yeah. challenging part going to a school like that where everyone's so talented? Um. I think it was it was really just not competing, you know? And when we got there, uh, the first sort of sit-down meeting was like, hey, like, this is about you. This is you time, right. you know? So so focus on you. Don't be looking over here because that's not part of your training, right. you know? So when you see people making strides or, you know, whatever, you're like, oh, man, I want to get there. I want to get there. But it's like, no, no, no. Take your time. You know, focus on you. And so I think that's. That was probably the most challenging besides the schedule. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were like 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Oh, gosh. Yeah. With an hour guaranteed for lunch and dinner. And that was the only time you were wow. guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you always know you wanted to be an actress? No. No, I didn't, actually. What did you want to be? I I wanted to be everything. So I wanted to be um, an undercover FBI agent because um, I watched a lot of television. Right. I wanted to be a hairdresser. I wanted to be a secretary because on TV, they always look really fly. I like that sort of <laughs> office look. That is hot to me. That chic, that line, you know? Yeah, a lot A-line. of the, like, the women that I used to draw, you know, you used to draw, they always had pencil skirts and, <laughs> and, and blazers. Like, I was about that and, like, a halter thing in the back. Uh-huh. Like, that was everything to me. So... Fashion designer was not on the list, clearly, right, right. so I was about that one thing. I one pencil skirt. Um, but it's funny because when I was when I was at the school, I hit like a rough spot, right? So it was third year. We're working on Shakespeare. We're doing Romeo and Juliet. I could not make the scene work, and I was like, "Forget it, forget it. I'll just go quit. I'm just gonna quit." And I was like, "Well, what are the other things I wanted to do?" And I named those three things, and I was like, "You know what would be really fly is the undercover FBI agent." So I went to the computer lab because I was like, "Forget this school. Let me find out what how to do this thing, and I'm gonna do it." So I looked online. And um, the one area that I could have come in under, you definitely needed a college degree. So I was like, damn it, I need it. I need to be here. I got to fucking finish. So I did and, you know, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) 
But at least you yeah. kind of sort of still get to stay in the FBI realm as uh, an ATF agent. Yes. yes. On NCIS. Yes. New Orleans. Yes. But, going undercover. Yes, yes. Let's talk about that. How, so when you found out about this role and you auditioned, what was your first thought? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just like, I'm going to try to kill this one. You know? Because I, I had... Before this job, I had moved out here to L.A. like a year. It was like a year and like a couple months. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2013, I was nominated for a Tony back in New York City. So I was like, hey, feeling myself, toast uh-huh. to the town. I'm going to go out to L.A. and it's going to be amazing. I'm right. going to blow up. Right. And I got there and they were like, no, you're not. Girl, <laughs> you are number 65. Right. And I'm like, what? So I went on something like 60 different auditions and, um, you know, I tested like five times, but I didn't book anything. And then mm-hmm. I ran out of money. And then yeah. it was like, this is real. Like, all right, what do I do? What do I do? I got to support myself. So taught myself how to bartend on YouTube. And I got me a little janky job. And then I got fired from that job because I really didn't know what I was doing. But I was like, I'm going to get back on that horse. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got a job at Dave & Buster's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm working, you know, with uh, with all the crew and everything. Like, wow, how did this happen? Like, how did, you know, literally a year ago, I was right. on national television in a designer gown and, you know, $100,000 of jewels, right. you know, being honored. And now I'm, like, scrubbing out, you know, the sink. You know, mm-hmm. at Dave and Buster's, <clears throat> full of syrup. So I was ready to quit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love LA, but I can't do this. This yeah. is this is just too much on me. Right. Um. So I got my first job, Battle Creek, and from that, I started working like every other month. But you know, going through a time like that, you're just scared that you know after this job. What's I'll be next? right back. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. So when I auditioned for this show, um. I just, I really wanted to do a good job, and I, I wanted to book it. I wanted to nail it. I wanted to to be proud of myself, right. to go in, do the job, and even if I didn't get it, at least I know that I, I laid it all on the line. Mm-hmm. I didn't leave anything out. Right. And when I showed up, I was like, this is cute, because everybody was like a person of color. Right. And, you know, usually you get these... Uh, auditions and they're like, hey, we're open ethnicity, open ethnicity, and then you show up and you're the only one, you're the only, only, and you're like, what? But I thought y'all were serious. But they were. (laughs) They were. There were like some Asian chicks, some black chicks, a couple white chicks, you know, they had auditioned a lot of people for the part. So I thought, okay, well, I actually have a, I have a chance just being me. Like, it's not a thing of like the look or whatever, I just have a chance. So I got a call. They want you to come back, you know, be a little more camera ready, you know, bump up the makeup to see if there's some versatility because the part was like she was undercover. So I had like slappy ponytail and like tank top and like trying to like look like that chick. And um, I went in and I did it. And later on that day, it was like, you got it. You got the job. What was it like when you found out? Yes. I don't. It was it was it was like, wow, all of my hard work paid off. I mean, I was stunned for for quite some time because, you know, the NCIS franchise, you know, it's a a very popular franchise. And, you know, a guarantee of a a job on that show, a recur at the time, it was a recur, you know, I could be around for a while. So maybe I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. And then when I got the deal, it was like, 
you know, there's a possibility that you could be upgraded. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was like, all right, paid audition and boo boo, let's do this. So the first, <laughs> the first episode, you know, I'm running and, and, and scaling fences and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it really well. And it was very surprising to the guys that I was so, um, strong and athletic because I'm tiny, right. but mm-hmm. you know, I lift weights because, you know, of coming out here and everybody's like, you got to be like this. <laughs> So I'm like, I ain't doing that. I'll I'll just be strong. I'm not gonna be thin. I'll be strong. So um, they were like, Well, okay, all right. This chick is serious about it. Like she's she's about it. All right, mm-hmm. cool. And um, just hearing from the producers how happy they were with my work, that made me really excited. And the day that they announced it, they actually announced it. They didn't call my people. It wasn't like oh, that. Wow. It was like end of the last episode. I had just booked another uh, another series for PBS. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. But I'm still on the line for NCIS. I don't know. I don't know. So they did picture wrap. So everybody came in, and I was like, oh, boy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> they got to say goodbye. All right, cool. This is cute. So um, they all came in, and the producer was like, this is picture wrap and, you know, picture finish. And, you know, everybody clapped. And he was like, but it's not the end because, you know, she's our new series regular for season two. Wow. And I just, like, was so – I'm about to cry now just thinking about it. I felt so, like – so proud, so yeah. proud and so happy that I stuck it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I stayed in it. I, mm-hmm. I stuck it out and, and I got my reward and it was mm-hmm. That awesome. perseverance. I love yes. to hear those stories. Yes. Yes. Now, Shalita, I want to talk about Broadway because you've uh-huh. been yeah. doing so mm-hmm. many different things. You played Cassandra yes. in, on Broadway. Tell yes. us what Broadway's like compared to a series role in television. So mm-hmm. it's it's a lot harder work. Okay. Uh, but um, I think the major difference is that, like, for TV, we work 16-hour days. But at the end of the day, it's over. Right. Mm-hmm. On Broadway, you do eight shows a week. And you do eight shows a week, right. you know, like, and every performance is that, that was the right. performance, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Vanya and Sonia, Masha and Spike, um, Chris Durang with, is the, uh, a teacher for the playwriting program at Juilliard. And when I was in high school, I read his stuff and I used to think, that everybody great was dead. So I was reading this right. guy's monologue. I was like, ah, this is hilarious. So sad he's dead. I ain't never going to be right. able to meet this dude. <laughs> so I got to Juilliard, and it was like, right. that's Chris Durang. And I'm like, what you doing alive? Like, what are you doing? Right. That's crazy. So we, like, developed this relationship and, you know, mutual love. And then at the end, when I graduated, um, uh, a couple months later, he called me and was like, hey, you know, can you read? It's very, you know, mild-mannered. Hey, uh, do you mind coming and reading a, a first act of one of my plays? I want to get it produced, you know. And I was like, yeah, sure, anything for you, Chris. So I did the one act of one play, and I did the one act of this play, and I was like, now what do you want me to do with this? Because I have <laughs> never seen this character in any of your work. And he was like, I don't know, figure it out. You have like an hour before we do it. Wow. Like, oh, wow. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. He was like, yeah, I mean, I'll give you a little time. And by little, it, it was literally a little time um, to, to, tr- to try to play with some stuff. So I was like, okay. Well, she kind of reminds me of my great grandmother um, in Virginia. My, she's still alive. Um, she's wow. uh, she's schizophrenic. She's hilarious though. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna throw in a little bit of that, okay, and a little bit of this little Greek tragedy, 
okay. and see what happens. And he was like, that is very weird, and I like it. <laughs> like, that's very, very strange what uh-huh. you're doing. And uh, we did the first act of the show, and my second monologue in the in the first act got stop the show. And yeah. it was just sort of like a, okay, moment. Okay, which player are they going to produce? So they asked him to finish that. So he wrote the second act with me in mind. Mm. And we did these readings. And during these readings, he's like, oh, yeah, Sigourney Weaver. I actually wrote one of the characters for her, actually. And she wasn't able to do it the first time, but she's going to be here. And I, okay, all right, Sigourney. Okay. <laughs> right. So, you know, all of a sudden I'm working with Sigourney Weaver. And then we're going to do it. We're going to do the show. But uh, before we uh, went into production, I got a call saying that Lincoln Center wanted to to be added on. Mm. So, okay, Lincoln Center. All right, cool. But they don't want you to do it. <laughs> what? What? And I was like, why? And they were like, well, you know, for the New York premiere, they really want, like, as many, you know, names as they can get, you know, because that's the state of uh, theater right yeah. now mm-hmm. is to make the money for the tickets right. you have to have an attraction right so you know we had Sigourney Weaver on board uh, they ended up getting David Hyde Pierce okay. they got the soap guy um, and then it was like well what are we going to do for, for her character and they literally auditioned every person in New York City Oh wow! And at the time, I was doing a show in Boston, and a girl that I was doing the show with went down to New York to audition for the part. Oh wow! That's crazy. It's hard. It was hard. Right. And they auditioned every ethnicity. They even thought about auditioning a man. Wow! Anybody but me. Wow! So I get a call from Chris. Hey, it's not going well in the audition room. I hate to ask you to do this, but do you mind auditioning? Because they don't remember, you know, the reading. Okay, sure, I'll audition. So I went down, you know, swallowed my pride, mm-hmm. and I walked out with my part. And that's the story of <laughs> wow. Bonnie and Sonia. And we rode that wave. We did McCarter. We did Lincoln Center. And then we had this meeting. Oh, you go to Broadway. We went to Broadway. And a month on Broadway, I got nominated for a Tony. See, when wow. something is yours, it's yours. Yes. yes. People wow. have to remember, that. remember yeah. that. That is amazing. And it's funny to me when I hear, like, actors act like assholes when you're in a position like that. Like, yeah, that sucked. That hurt right. because I had um, I had helped create this this piece. It right. was it was my my creativity, my imagination that that it sparked his imagination, and mm-hmm. you know it was this, this whole you know uh, love fest of creativity and art. And then when it comes down to the commerce side of it, it's like no no no, you're not worth you're not worth this right. actually. You 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 don't you don't bring in the money, mm-hmm. so no. But when I hear how people ruin their opportunities, I mean, I I just think of all the ways that I could have ruined that for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, with my ego and my pride. You know, I, I would have been right to to lash out, but you know, you play the long game, right? Yeah, what right. Can and you not benefit the short from? game. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would have felt better at the time. But, you know, the long game is you ruin relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've learned a lot of, of this business is is who you know and your relationships. You right, know? Right. And then you ruin that. You got nothing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, yeah. um, from that, that's an amazing story, one. <laughs> but from that, LA Times named you a standout character. Yeah. How did it feel when you saw that? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, cr- I mean, all of the recognition, man. I swear. It, it was... It was uh it is crazy. It's it's pretty wild having that um having that all of that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
If you had to pick between TV, film, or Broadway, what would you pick? Do I have to? You have, you have to. to. You only get one. Do I have to? You only get one. one. I would. I would say television. Why? Just because I grew up on TV. You know, I grew up with the TV in the background. The TV was like another family member, uh-huh. you know? And I remember the people that touched me, you know, from television, from television shows, like seeing them every week. It's like you have your own relationship with them. Right. Like, an example, I used to love The King of Queens. I thought that show mm-hmm. was so stinking funny. All right. Victor Williams, who plays the um, UPS guy. Right. IP, IPS, sorry. IPS. <laughs> right. Get it right. IPS guy. Um, we actually did the show in Boston together. Okay. And when I saw his face, I had all the feels. But I couldn't. I couldn't pinpoint where I knew him from. Right, right. But I was like, I know you. <laughs> like, we we have a real... And I, I was so convincing that he thought he knew me, too. <laughs> so we were sitting, you know, like, oh, and he had his glasses on, uh, his uh, shades on, and we, we had met up outside walking to the theater. And I'm like, oh, do you play an instrument? Like, oh, did you do this? Did you do that? And then he took the shades off and we were doing the table read. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know you. I don't fucking know you. Why are you act like you know me, too? I'm crazy. It's like, I just love you because you want the show. Right. And I have a, a opening night card from him because I kept calling him Deacon. <laughs> I kept calling him Deacon. I'd be like, Deacon. Um, you know, and, and I didn't even realize because when I looked at his face, his name is Deacon. Right, I've right. only known that face as Deacon, you know, for the longest period of time. And now you, Victor, I can't make that change right, that right. fast. So a couple times I caught myself like, oh, did he hear me? Whatever. But uh, he gave me the, yeah, you have been calling me Deacon. <laughs> at the end, he was like, P.S. Stop calling me Deacon, girl. <laughs> oh, my like, goodness. Oh, I love you. But, yeah, like, I would do television. I would do television just to have that kind of response from other people. Right, yes. right, right. Now, Shalita, I absolutely love your personality. <laughs> I you know, are, like, you're full so of cute. life, humor. <laughs> Where did you get this humor from? Is it your mom, your dad, someone in your family? It's it's actually my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we have the same very naughty sense of humor. Uh, this is a fucked up story. Uh, just as an example <laughs> of, of, his, like of, of his sense of humor. Um, my name Shalita. Uh, I asked my mom, you know, I was younger, who named me, who named me? And she's like, oh, yeah, Shalita, that's that's from your dad. That's your dad's name. I, okay, it's it's weird, though. I, I, you know, who who's that name? So when I was 13, I asked him. It was like, yeah, so, you know, you name me. You know, whose name is that? Like, where do you get the name from? And he was like, well, you want the truth? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I would prefer it. Right. He was like, well, I had a crush on a girl named Shalita when I was dating your mom. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, and he thought that was hilarious. Right, right, and I was right. like, that's so fucked up. <laughs> and then I laughed afterward because we kind of have that same sense of humor. So, yes. that's, yeah, that's my name. Oh, that my is goodness. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I love this. And so, you've just done so well. You've been doing a lot of TV. Of course, uh, the second season of NCIS New Orleans is upon us. Mm-hmm. What what can we expect from your character from the second season versus what you were like for the first season? So, the first season, you meet Sonia, and she's um, pretty tough. You know, she's that chick. 
she gets the job done. Right. Um, for season two, you get to see a little more where that comes from. Okay. okay. The backstory. Yeah. You get that, you get that, and then you get to see kind of the different sides. I actually did ADR earlier today for the show and um, saw episode two, saw some pieces of it. And it's actually really cool because we go from, like, episode two is kind of crazy. Okay. Um, there's there's a lot of, of stuff going on. I got to stay vague because I want right, to keep my right. job. Yeah, I don't want you to lose your job. Don't lose your job. But, um, yeah, it goes from, like, tough. And, and her relationship with LaSalle is, is, is more fleshed out. Um, but, yeah, her and LaSalle, uh, you know, get into some stuff. And then... At the same time, though, they're being, they're opening up and, mm-hmm. and it's like hilarious. Like, there are a lot of like jokes in the, in the second episode and stuff. I mean, it's, it's really good. And I have a hard time watching myself. So, <laughs> so if I'm watching it like, ooh, what's gonna happen? Now? And I did it and it's me, it's, it's good. Right. It's good, <laughs> good, good, good. It's good. I was like, dang, we did all that. I didn't know it looked like that. That's good. Right. So, yeah, I think people are gonna love. Season two of, of NCIS New Orleans. Have Good. you have you done any scenes that you're like, oh goodness, my mom's gonna have to watch that? Mm. Oh, oh, have I, baby Jesus? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's not on this show, but on any show, have you ever uh, done something that you're like, ooh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I have. And then what, how did you deal with that when you told your parents? I, I just, I just was like, listen, this is what, I, you know, I have that personality <laughs> where I'm like, this is what I fucking did, okay? All right? How did, how did it's over react? now. Like, wh- what you want to do about it, you know? They, they're just used to me, like, being right. like that. So they're like, okay, whatever. You know, okay. Well, I don't want to watch it. And it's like, well, don't watch it then. Maybe it'll help us both, you know? <laughs> Who gives you the toughest criticism out of your parents or, or friends, anyone? Myself. You give yourself the time. Oh, oh, if you heard some of the stuff I say to myself, you would be like, you need more friends. Like, oh, this no. is sad. So this rough is really sad. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think it's the perfectionist in me mm-hmm. that's like, you can always do better. You can always do better. That wasn't good enough. And, you know, make sure that this is better and, you know, whatever. And it's, it's also, you know, going to a school that was so technical you know, I'm able to break down, you know, bit by bit, which in a lot of ways gets in the way sometimes if you're if you're doing that while you're working. But I actually do think it's good to to go back and look at things to see if you can improve on it. Mm-hmm. I never want to feel like like I'm, I'm set. I'm comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. I'm too neurotic for that. Uh-huh. You know, so so I'm always pushing for better and more. Sometimes it's not good. But when it is good, it's it's I I know that I'm in the sweet spot. Right. But right. I also know when I'm being abusive. When I'm like, you know what? I just need a break from me. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Let me go watch something. Right. You know? yeah, Let's right. go listen to something. What do you watch, by the way? Yeah. Oh God. What's your What's your guilty pleasure? Yeah. I, like, what do you been? Oh oh. Do we have to talk yes, about it? Yes, we do. Because see, my guilty pleasure is real guilty though. What is like, it? Like it's like like really. Really? What is it? Come on, Shalita. What is it? I love reality TV. (laughs) (laughs) Which show? Shows. Shows. Okay, Okay, I told you. This is bad. Okay? (laughs) Name your top two. Now, I will, you know, flip over some friggin' 
Real Housewives of anywhere. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Real Housewives of everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I cannot believe she said that. Real Housewives of New York is a part of my life. Ramona, I say Ramotional. I say it's season four. This is sick. It's season four. They went to the islands. I think it like Cayman Islands or something. And she was yelling at somebody. I think it was the chick Aviva with the leg thing. And she was like, take a Xanax. And when people are crazy, I'm like, take a Xanax. Like Ramona. Like it's it's a part of me. You are Ramona. It is crazy like that. And then I buy, what did I buy? Oh. Wait, before mm, you go on, would you, would you consider reality TV? No. No. <laughs> no. No. It would ruin every relationship <laughs> I have. Have you seen the news? Do you see these people? Right. It is ruining their lives. Right, right. Okay? That's every tough. week, somebody getting divorced, somebody mama suing them for stuff that I didn't even know you could sue for, like grandmother visits. Who? What? Where do they do that at? Where do they do that at? But wow. Kim Zolciak is fighting her mama. You know, she got a book and, and you know, every, like people lose right. their minds. Right. Hell no. <laughs> no. Now I'm going to watch no. everybody else. And their craziness. And their craziness yeah. and watch the follow up. Oh, I watched the, the news on the real. I'm like, oh, I can't believe Kim. She is having such a hard time. And damn, they getting a divorce. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping. You know what I'm saying? I ain't doing that for myself. Right, I don't want right. to read some shit like, yeah, Shalita Mama is crazy as hell. <laughs> she fucking sued her and like she ran her over with a beamer. You know, I don't want to have any of that. <laughs> this shit, crazy shit like that happens all the time. Right, right. True. Very true. Braxton's, yes. Trina's husband's dick is everywhere. You just look online, you see his dick. That is crazy as hell. I don't want to live my life like that. You just see dick everywhere and it's my husband. (laughs) Oh, no. You know, that's crazy. I don't want to see that. But are you married? Are you married? No, I'm not married. Are you in a relationship? You're in a relationship? I I keep the personal life personal. But what do you look for in a significant other? What are some important qualities? I love love people who are smart. Mm -hmm. I dated a dumb person, and it was really hard. I mean, they weren't even cute. But they were just dumb, and it was a bad decision. I was in a bad place in my life. And I realized then, you can't date dumb people. Stop dating dumb people. You got to date people that read. Okay. And that's the other thing. I don't have a TV in my house. Uh, I just buy the shows, you know, right, so right. so I have some more control. But I have bookshelves on bookshelves of books. Nice. All I do when I'm not in reality is I'm, re- <laughs> right. I'm reading deep shit just to clean out fa- the reality What's your favorite book? My favorite book would probably be East of Eden. It's John oh, Steinbeck, yeah. right? Yes. And see, so because I had art school education, mm-hmm. Did you um, see the movie? I no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I had art school education, so we didn't have to read the books that everybody else read. You know, mm-hmm. we we skipped a lot of that stuff. We stayed in like Shakespeare and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was after I graduated college, I was like, I need to go back and like read what most of America was told to read. Most people ain't read it, but I want to yeah. read it and know. <laughs> right. And East of Eden is a story that really touched me, and I and I actually think about the characters and, and the and the situation, you know, here and there in my life after reading it. It's like, damn, that's like that's really some deep shit. Like mm-hmm. that sibling rivalry. Right. That sort of coming from the same place but mm-hmm. having two different lives mm-hmm. and having two different philosophies online. Right. You know, and what that does to 
you know, the relationships and, and everything. It's 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 very good. Very good story. Okay. So yeah. somebody who's smart. Any, somebody who's any smart. Any other qualities? Fit. fit. You okay. gotta be fit. You know, come to the gym. I don't wanna roll <laughs> over and you eating shit in bed and I'm like, oh, I'm going to spin, I'm cute. And you're like, go ahead, girl. And I get back in bed and everything's like moving his eyes. I used to date that, but I've I've upgraded. You I've stopped dating dumb. Stop stopped dating. Yep. You said it, not me. Um, so yeah, don't be dumb. Don't be, you know, out of shape, out of shape and stuff. And just have a good sense of humor. Because mm-hmm. you can't roll with me if you're not yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah, we can on the lab. You're yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> really? Thank you. Really? But yeah, I like, I like keeping things light, you know? Right, right. Let's talk about Mercy Street. Okay. That's coming up in 2016? Mm-hmm. Yes. 2016. What's your role? Tell us about that. So, we actually just did ADR for this, too, mm-hmm. today. Um... The story. And explore what ADR is. Some people don't know. Oh, right. Watching. It's, yeah. it's looping. It's, it's when you didn't say something right, or the camera, the, the microphone won't write, or they want to add a line. You watch yourself on TV and you try to say the line with yourself, or like when somebody, when your head turned and get the word in real fast mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's like little voiceover work. Um, but you get to see, you know, the, the scenes before it's been mixed and everything. Right. You get to see, like, the, the footage. Right. Um, so Mercy Street takes place during the Civil War. Um, it's a medical drama, however. Um, and my character has uh, manumitted herself. So we're in the second year of the Civil War. And uh, my character uh, set herself free. And uh, came up to Alexandria, Virginia, and she stopped there because she's looking to get with her mother and her son. They've been separated. Mm-hmm. So okay. she asked uh, a man who worked at the uh, at the hospital if he'd help her. Uh, the thing that sort of brought, the thing that I connected most to uh was I've always been afraid of like playing a slave, you know, because mm-hmm. you want to you want to make sure that you're in a, a production that's responsible right. and um isn't, you know, using your story to validate uh something else. Um what was also scary about it is that I've been free my whole life. Right. So it's right. like I don't know what what that's like and I want to make sure that I'm I'm believable, you know, whatever and I, I don't know what that means. Um, so when I got the part, I was like, okay, all right, cool. Um, let's see what happens. Yeah. And the thing that made playing this so easy was letting go of the denial that I was actually uh, in a different place than her. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. When Obama was elected, the next day, I remember walking from my dorm in Juilliard to the school and I just felt like this weight had been lifted mm-hmm. off myself. Like, wow. And I had no idea that I had felt any different. You know, I, 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 I didn't I didn't realize it. And and I had all this hope. Like, wow, like we got a black man as a president, you know, I'm at Juilliard. Like, this is crazy. Like my life, my generation, you know, go us. And now seeing black and brown people being gunned down in the streets weekly, sometimes daily. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, wow, there is still so much work to be done. Mm -hmm. So, so in a sense, it's business as usual. 
right? Mm -hmm. So my character is in a similar situation. The country is in upheaval because of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay? Some people are saying we need to be set free to, to put us back together. Some people are saying, you know, keep us enslaved to bring us back together. You know, but we become, we are center stage in the conversation nationally, which is the first time. So she set herself free and mm -hmm. said, I'm going to live free now because this is the promise that we've been given, you know, mm -hmm. that, that we, can, we can do this. And so she asked this white man for goods for service. Can you get me some information? And in return, like I see all these other white people, I give money and you provide the service, right? Mm -hmm. He says, sure. And not only does he take her money, he takes her body. Wow. So she has this realization that it's just business as usual. Mm -hmm. And she's alone in this thing until, you know, she, she meets uh, McKinley Belcher's character, Samuel. But her freedom is tainted because she, A, has, you know, her body has been, has been taken from her yet again. Mm -hmm. And she's not with her child. And she doesn't know if she will get with her child. Right. So in a lot of ways, this part has been the easiest thing I've done. And it's really just letting go of the denial. It's, mm. it's looking at CNN and it's reading the blogs right. and it's watching those videos. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this, what I'm seeing right now is you could freeze it and put it back into 1860 or 1875 or 1910 right. or 1925 or, you know, 1936 or, you know, that image, you know, has lasted. We haven't gotten rid of it yet. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Do you ever think, and I know there's some people that say, oh, racism is gone. And clearly we see that that's not the case because of, of the stuff and the stuff that's going on in our country. Do you, what do you think could be different in the future? Because it seems as though with stories like Mercy Street and things going on in the past that a lot of things are being repeated. Yes. What do you think we could, what do you think could be done differently in the future? Or is it always going to be the same? No, I, truthfully, I believe that the white community has to have a powwow within themselves because asking the racism affects us. Mm -hmm. Racism is not our, it's not something that is perpetuated by us or that was started by us. Right. So you can't ask me how to fix something that's being done to me. Right. I can tell you my experience and you can validate that by listening, by getting yourself educated. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then looking at things soberly, how do I as a white person not add to white supremacist structures. Mm -hmm. How do I, you know, when I look at media, for instance, we got black and brown faces, we in again, like the 90s, but in the 90s it was sitcoms, now we're doing dramas, right? Mm -hmm. So so we're in comedies, we're in dramas, we got some people behind the scenes, we got people writing, we got women, you know, whatever, but those numbers dwindle the higher up you get. Right. So the heads of our studios and the heads of networks still look the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then right under them, it still looks the same. So they have to take a look at how they are adding to the problem. Mm -hmm. 
and not helping it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great to have some FaceTime, but the people who are making the decisions have to be responsible. And in order to be responsible, you have to understand how how repetition happens. Right. How is this the same and how is this helping keep things the same? And in order to do that, you have to get educated. So oh, yeah. what I have done is I've aligned myself with the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond. Mm-hmm. That's the charity that I work with. What they do is undoing racism workshops because they believe that racism is a thing that is done and can be undone. Mm-hmm. It's different than diversity training, which says like, oh yeah, we're all the same, you know, we got a lot of similarities, let's kumbaya, yeah. let's bounce out of this workshop, go back to our desks, and then the resentment broods again because right. mm-hmm. we haven't actually dealt with the real issues. Right. So the People's Institute, it's a three-day workshop, you go through it, and the people who have done it it's changed their lives. Mm-hmm. They they talk a lot about, you know, how people often cry or angry or, you know, because we're taught they're talking about things bold faced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is no, you know, racism in the rhetoric. There is no minority this, minority that it's person of color. Right. You know? There is they're 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 dealing with things head on. And it's it's hard for a lot of white people because for the most part, the white community does not think about whiteness. Right. Because their whiteness is validated in everything, everything they do. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not something they have to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, from education, most white people have not had a person of color teach them a class mm-hmm. or have had a person of color as a principal. So now you're, you're, you're going up through a system where you're not used to looking at people of color as an authority figure. So that gives you all kinds of messages, you know? Mm-hmm. So 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 that workshop fucks with the paradigm. Mm-hmm. And that's what has to happen on a national scale. We have to fuck with the paradigm because the paradigm is the problem. Right. And we all add, a racist isn't somebody with a Confederate flag mm-hmm. and a pickup truck and they live in the South. Right. A racist can be a kid with tight jeans with an iPhone in his pocket and a beard. Right, you know, mm-hmm. and and not even know it. Mm-hmm. So so that's 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 the part that we have to deal with. How do you not know it? Right. You got to get educated. So yes. I I love my charity. They're doing amazing work. They've been around for thirty six years. Um, they're a not for profit. What they do though is they provide um, uh, these workshops for groups that can afford it. Mm-hmm. They pay for it, but they do these freedom schools for groups that can't afford it. So that's where the the uh, donations go to. It's making sure that the organizers and the teachers have, you know, airfare because they're going all over the place. They're in right. Ferguson right now. Oh, awesome. They're in New York City. They're in Texas. They've done amazing work with right. Texas um, on, a, on a state level. Uh, they, they revamped their Child Protective Services mm-hmm. uh, curriculum. Uh, and the governor Rick Perry signed it into wow. to law, which That's was amazing. crazy. Yeah. And the state has saved so much money mm-hmm. by looking at the racist practices. Right. Oh, if we change this, this affects us economically. And that's right. the other thing I don't think people understand about racism. Yeah. You know? 
is well, the power and the money, how tied it is. Definitely right. tied. Girl, I'm over here like, you know what? We you have to have awesome. a side conversation. Let, yeah, uh, where can people find out more information about All your, your charity? Your charity um, specifically. So they just got on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have their website, the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond. And you can look them up and get in touch with them. And if you want to donate, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. They they need it. And, and the country needs it. Um, so do it. And, and then where can your fans yeah. keep in touch with you? Shalita Grant, at Shalita Grant on Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. Yes. yes. And before you get out of here, what's one thing you want to tell your fans? What's one thing you want them to know about you? Uh, one thing I want them to know about me is that I'm a badass. <laughs> Shalita. Thank I'm you so sure. much. Yeah, they already knew that. Yeah, you okay. can tell. Right, well, I didn't we know. can tell. <laughs> Where can we find you, Courtney? You guys can keep in touch with me at Tesnos on Twitter and Instagram. Use that hashtag BHL next again. Let us know what you thought about Miss Shalita. She is amazing. Hilarious, yes. And you can find me, Megan Thomas, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and Periscope at Meg Scoop, like scoop of ice cream. Don't forget to check out NCIS New Orleans this season. It starts September 22nd, every Tuesday. Tuesday, 9, 8 central. Until next time, guys. Bye. See you later. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagramming, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.